Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to the Centurion podcast. This is your host, Elena, back for a solo episode today. Today's episode is an LEH episode, a little different than our typical Q&A episodes where we get to dive in and focus on somebody in history that was really important in leadership in their time. And I can't wait to share today with you. We are going to be diving into Queen Zenobia. She was the queen of Syria. So very important person in history and very excited to dive into this with you all. The ancient world is, you know, packed with so many women and queens that we study and hear about in school, but Zenobia was one of the fiercest rulers. She was a ruler of Palmyra, a region that is now in modern day Syria. And she became known as the warrior queen. She expanded her reign from Palmyra, uh, from Iraq to Turkey. She conquered Egypt and she challenged the dominance of Rome on the area that she conquered. She was eventually defeated in the end by Emperor Aurelian, but her legacy as the brave warrior queen who encouraged cultural tolerance among Syria is still respected widely and well studied. Not much is known about her childhood or her ancestry or, you know, anyone in power that came before her, but we do believe that she was of a noble descent and may have been a descendant of actually Cleopatra. She was born in Palmyria, which is modern day Syria, around 240 CE, and she was named Julia Ariella Zenobia. Syria was a Roman province at that time and had been annexed in 115 to 116 CE. So she was a Roman citizen. She was married to a man named Odenthus, the king of the Palmyrian Empire, and she bore him a son named Valbalathus. So now you may be thinking, how did she come to all of this power, this queen? How did she get all of these soldiers and, you know, people, commoners to obey her? So back then, Palmyra was subordinate to the Roman Empire. So there was a lot of issues going on within the empire and basically this huge piece of land split into three separate empires. So Palmyra was still subordinate to the Roman empire and under Odenthus's rule, the relationship between the Roman empire or Rome and Palmyra remained friendly, but Palmyra was a border between the Roman empire and the Persian empire. And this was causing a lot of issues with trading and all of these different things between these empires. So in 260 AD, um, Valerian, who was the Roman empire, he attempted to march against the Sassanids, which is another group and was defeated. 
So then Adanthus went to battle against the Persians and was able to drive them out of Syria and across the Euphrates. So this really benefited the Romans and it strengthened ties between the Roman Empire and Palmyria. So the Romans made Odanthus the governor of their eastern part of the Roman Empire, and he later called himself the king of Palmyria, even calling himself the king of kings. So then his, him and his first son were murdered, actually, by a relative. And after his death, Zenobia's son, Balbalthus, inherited the throne. So at the time of his father's death, Babalathus was still a child. So Zenobia, being his mother, took control and ruled the Palmyrian Empire as a regent. So at the beginning of her rule, she followed in her husband's footsteps. She worked with Rome. You know, she followed everything that Rome wanted, but the Roman empire was undergoing the imperial crisis and the imperial crisis. We talked a little bit about. So this took place during 235 to 284 CE, and it was known as the Imperial Crisis. And this time period basically in Rome was defined by constant civil war and breakaway regions would form their own government. So this crisis has been studied by historians for a very, very long time because of the social unrest and the instability of the economy and especially the dissolution of the empire. So this broke into three separate regions, the Gallic Empire, the Roman Empire, which we have all heard of, and the Palmyrian Empire. So the chaos of the government uh, was any attempt to control the outer regions were considered secondary. And so the entire empire split into three political entities, including Zenobia's entity. Zenobia is known as the warrior queen of the Middle East. So in 267 AD, she took over the Palmyrian Empire as the queen regent. And a few years later, she had Egypt, Asia Minor, and the Levant under her control. So she was the queen of the Palmyrian Empire from 267 to 272 AD. And Palmyria expanded from modern day Syria all the way from Iraq through Turkey into Egypt. So this queen, she had this huge area where she was able to reign. So The internal conflicts prevented the empire from maintaining control beyond the borders of Rome. So since Rome was crumbling, Zenobia turned her focus to her own empire, and she decided she was going to strengthen her own military, concentrate her power, and ended up breaking off relations with Rome in 270 AD and began taking over their lands. So thinking of this from a leader standpoint, right, this woman you know, never really signed up to be in charge. She never signed up to have this reign over this massive area, over all of these people. You guys, this is a huge region. We're talking about modern day Syria. We talked about how it stretched, you know, to Iraq. If you really look at a map, think of one woman running this show, you know, 270 AD, all these, this time ago, it's really inspiring because she never, you know, like I said, signed up or asked to be in this place of power, but with her husband's death, and her son, you know, being named the ruler, he's still a kid. So we can't allow this child to rule. So she steps up to the plate. You know, she's not calling on any other relative or any other member of the family to take the rule. She is signing up and stepping up to the plate to do this and to follow out, out her husband's wishes. And when she decides that the relations with the Roman empire are falling apart, 
during the imperial crisis, she is not just giving up. She is deciding that, you know, she is going to take role for herself for, for Palmyra and really establish, you know, her own reign. So she began her reign by annexing Egypt, which she did in 270 AD. She defeated the Roman army and with her hold on Egypt, she turned to securing Asia Minor and Phoenicia. So she also wanted to establish diplomatic ties and trade agreements with neighboring lands to strengthen her reign. So as we're learning about this, she's very strategic in everything she's doing. You know, like we shared before, we don't know all of her history with her family, but we can assume that she grew up um, around, and especially in her marriage, was surrounded by decision makers and people who really had strong leadership skills. So that could be a place where she's learning all of these things that she ends up using during her reign. So by 271, she had Egypt, Asia Minor, and the Levant under her control. And then she broke all ties with Rome. This is when she declares Palmyra an independent empire and herself its empress. So this woman becomes this powerful military leader. She conquers Egypt. She conquers most of the Eastern Roman Empire. And she challenges Rome all on her own within her own power, you know, this one woman in charge. And if you think back all these years ago, we're talking, you know, 240 to 280 AD that this is taking place. And you have to think that women were not wildly respected at this time, just because, you know, she was the wife of someone in power doesn't mean that she had, you know, great respect by the people of this land. So for her to overcome all of these challenges and really go out there and set the precedent that she was going to be the warrior queen and that she was going to establish and take over these lands and lead these armies, you know, she was significantly powerful. She would, and it's recorded in history, you know, she was really good at riding horses. And she would also march several miles with her soldiers that were, you know, walking or marching on the ground. She always, you know, was a part of each aspect of taking over these lands. She wasn't just sitting back and commanding these things. She actually, you know, was called the warrior queen. That's what she was known for. And I think we can learn a lot about her leadership there because when you are a leader, you don't want to just be, some people do want this, I guess, uh, certain big shot leaders, but most leaders and entrepreneurs, they don't want to just sit back. And most leaders and entrepreneurs don't, right? Most entrepreneurs start businesses and brands all on their own. And once they hire teams and they begin to grow those teams, they are not just sitting back, letting all those teams and those employees and team members do the, do the work. They are on the floor. They are getting their hands in the processes. They are getting their hands dirty as the team members are. And we can see that too, you know, even starting back all these years ago with Zenobia, she was known as the warrior queen. Like I was just sharing, she was a woman, but she was still respected. And I think that this may have been encouraged her respect by the fact that she was always on the ground. She was, you know, riding out with her soldiers. She was a part of this, right? She was a part of overtaking part of the Roman empire, breaking away from, you know, this significantly powerful 
country and or land and government. She ended up becoming known as the most powerful woman ever in the Roman Empire. So her reign, although very powerful and very impressive, was short-lived because in the end, um, there was a big clash of power between the Aurelian government and Zenobia and her son were trying to escape uh, with help from a group called the Sassanids, but they were captured on the Euphrates River by Aurelian's horsemen and her short-lived Egyptian kingdom and Palmyrian empire was over at this time. And the remaining Palmyrians that refused to surrender to the Aurelians were executed. Um, among those was Zenobia's chief counselor and Zenobia and her son were taken as hostages to Rome and her son was presumed to have died on the way there. But in 274, Zenobia was in golden chains in the Aurelian's military triumph parade. And they impressed, they were impressed by her beauty and, you know, by her power. So they ended up freeing her and granting her a villa in Italy, which is really, really interesting. And she spent the rest of her life there. She became a philosopher, a socialite, and a matron. And she later remarried to a Roman governor and senator whose name is not known. She had more children. And there's a claim that Zenobia committed suicide. However, that's not confirmed and is not considered likely. So her descendants reported she survived into the fourth century or beyond. While we know her as a warrior queen, it's also important to remember the other things that made her an incredible leader. She ruled an empire of so many different people that spoke so many languages, had so many religions, and she was an image of a Syrian monarch. She was this queen and an empress, and she gained support by so many people for her cause. And you have to think a lot of times, you know, leaders have a very specific group of people that support them, but the amount of people she had to have respect and that she had to have following her in all of these different countries and lands, um, in order to be this successful is very, very impressive. Overall, I think we can learn so much from this amazing and talented empress and warrior hero of Zenobia. Um, incredibly, incredibly inspiring, especially for women. And I just hope that this episode was helpful in helping you to understand that, you know, there really is no best place to start, no best place, you know, where you can find your power or your purpose, but really just taking that in those opportunities in stride and developing along the way as this amazing, amazing women in history did. Thanks guys. Mm -hmm.